And now um, we get and now we get shed by <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna bring it up last time to be honest. So obviously when we recorded uh, last month, um it was uh, windy as hell. And you saw me struggling with the door, <laughs> keeping it closed. <laughs> we, we, it always took you out on one 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 occasion. I thought yeah, it was like Wizard of Oz at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Expecting to see flying monkeys pass a window. <laughs> I think, I think that's at the beginning. Oh, definitely. I've uh, I've actually uh, I haven't got a lock on the inside of the shed door, so I've actually just made a makeshift lock. So we should be okay now. <laughs> oh, I hope you miss his lock in again. <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> Hello and welcome to that 90s Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, James Sunstall, and today's pay-per-view review, we are reviewing the pre-show of this Tuesday in Texas. And, <laughs> join, and joining me in reviewing this podcast from the mighty Badlands, we have both Mags and Mr. Paul Tolly. How are you doing, lads? Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm glad we've got to watch the go-home show for this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I feel, I feel all the better for watching this show. It's good, good to be here. Well, <laughs> and joining me once again, Mr. Rob. How you doing, Rob? I, I, I feel dazed and confused. It, it, it's like I've been in a high pressure sales meeting. I think I'm going to have to buy a timeshare. As well. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us once again, Mr. Dan Griffin. <laughs> yeah, and, it, I, and yet it was only two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, it took me. I'm not lying. It took me two sittings to watch this. I had to watch half of it one night and the other half another night. And like you said, Mags, it's only a two and a half hour show. Oh, the, the, just the, the the shot that was on it. You just it couldn't hold my attention. I was just having to like re, re- go over parts that I'm, I just like drifted away from. It was just. So so bad. This is a this is a big four pay per view back then as well. One of our WWE's or WWF's marquee shows, and it was literally a go home row for Tuesday night in Texas. It was no storylines. Everything was about oh, just make sure you tune in on Tuesday for the Tuesday night in <laughs> Texas. So for everyone who's still watching this uh, review, <laughs> we we will Good be out in the God last bless. review in it. <laughs> So, Survivor Series 91, it was held at the Joe Lewis Arena, Detroit, Michigan, on November 27th, in front of 17,500 fans. I feel so fucking sorry for them fans <laughs> who paid. <laughs> in the rest of the media world at the time, in the UK music charts, number one was Michael Jackson, Black and White. Top of the US charts was Michael Bowen. I can't believe you haven't uh, got the uh, Michael Jackson Fulham, uh, Fulham link in there. You could have been uh, ranting about uh, Tony Khan for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, top of the uh, movie charts in the UK, it was uh, Point Break. Great movie. And top of the US uh, movie charts was The Addams Family. Not a great film. You're not a fan of The Addams Family? It's all right. 
I think right. Adam's family values is better for them. Oh, what's the name of the psychopath? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he tried to manifest it. <laughs> yeah. um, he, used show, he used to show the original Adams family on uh, Sky One on a Monday night just before uh, Wrestling Challenge came on. So it was uh, uh-huh. bumping programming for the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and just been released on the uh, Super Nintendo, we have Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. So, which in a lot of people's opinions is probably the greatest Zelda game. I still personally think it's awkward in a time myself. I was never a Nintendo person, so they all suck compared to Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> so, to open the show off, uh, no Fins McMahon intro this time. We get a code open, really. We join Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, and it sends us straight away to a uh, promo package of uh, Jake Snake Roberts and uh, the Macho Man, uh, where Cobra bites Savage. Um, what do you think of this promo? Just what you want, a promo package for wrestlers that aren't on the card. <laughs> no, but they were pushing for Tuesday night in Texas, Paul. Do you not understand? This wasn't about the Survivor Series. This was about making sure you double-dipped for that Tuesday pay-per-view. What, was Business this a pay-per-view? Was this a pay-per-view? Oh, yeah. yeah th- Bloody hell. Yeah, this yeah, is I th- and th- I think it was on a Thursday, though, uh, the uh, the day I'm sure it was a Thursday, so they basically yeah. doubled it for for two, two pay per views in a week. The canabbing little shits. Well, <laughs> mentioned that uh, the WrestleMania pay per view that um, sort of the buy rates were down, the economy was uh, pretty so was suffering. So they sort of had this idea to try and get more buys. They knew they wouldn't on one, but let's try and screw the hardcore audience out of more money, which is you know the model for wrestling today. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and now it's the typical like kind of YouTuber uh, um, approach. Um, I'm losing views, so I'll put out twice as much of the same shark content, and that's what WWE championed twenty odd years ago. Are you implying to are you implying to my channel, Mags? <laughs> Absolutely not. I think you put out quality content. Maybe some people in the same field do that, but certainly not you, sir. <laughs> the only thing I actually took away from this opening thing was I just sat there giggling because I think it was Vince said, look at him shaking his snake. <laughs> <laughs> what, one thing I did spot in this promo was uh, they kept doing that, the, the typical like, WF cut to the crowd, and there was one kid who they focused on for ages, and he just could not give a toss. He was there watching yeah. a, a snake bat Macho Man, and he just he was like, "Come on, hurry up! Next, next thing happening." Yeah, he just was not interested one little bit. Well, it, it's not a toddler gumming on a, like a teething ring, though, wasn't it? That snake. <laughs> it, it, it was so it, bad. It was it, it was, was leathery, very very leathery snake. I mean, I, I, I know it's leather, but it was a very shiny leathery <laughs> snake. It, it's not the biting that's the problem, though, because Vince McMahon said that the Macho Man had the snake's uh, poison running through his veins, which means he must have eaten it. So it's <laughs> not the snake biting him that's the problem. Did you? Uh... I never hear the word devenomized again. Fuck me. Oh, I love how uh, I love how Jack Tunney pronounced it, though. <laughs> it, it is like the, uh... a little build up. Did you hear the story about that before? I'm speaking of the feminized. Uh, so, the Macho Man's got a history of being paranoid. And he was so paranoid that the Cobra was venomous 
So he actually had Jake Roberts have the Cobra bite him before they went out, just to prove it to him. That's how wound up he was. And I mean, it was, to be fair, like the spot, what we saw, I personally think it was actually a good angle because um, actually seeing a legit, legit Cobra biting onto someone and that Cobra sunk his fangs and he did not want to let go. And uh, can, you imagine, can you imagine that happens these days? Yeah, well, it, it, it is shocking. That's, that's why Reptiles got banned. <laughs> Reptiles were banned from ringside. Well, that's why Rick the Dragon's Beanboat wasn't on this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why he was only allowed a Komodo dragon and not an actual real dragon. <laughs> this, this is why Jack Tunney had no control over the WWF, because he, he saw the snake as the bad guy in that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he instantly accepted Jake's apology. Said Jake has said he didn't know, and I have to take him at face value. <laughs> so for that, we will bring, we'll, we'll reward him with a match against the person who he wants a match against. Did you see Jack Tunney's death? Though the only thing he had on it were highlighter pens and the WWF magazine. It's <laughs> <laughs> all you need to be a president of WWF. It's <laughs> almost as if he's edited after it's already been sold. <laughs> Going through it like a Bible and just edit, and just highlighting his favourite passages. Yeah. <laughs> and, and ye the Lord said unto thee, you will bury Macho Man Ravid Savage. <laughs> Commandment number seven, all reptiles banned from ringside this Tuesday in fucking Texas. So uh, after the incident, so there was a petition for the Macho Man to come back to come out of retirement and it was declared. Unfortunately, a lot of the fans thought the Macho Man would be wrestling tonight. That isn't the issue. He's actually wrestling this Tuesday in Texas. And <laughs> as, for Jake, as for Jake Roberts, who was meant to be the captain of the main event Survivor Series team tonight, he's also not wrestling tonight because he's going to be wrestling the Macho Man at this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> so, so make sure you pay for that pay-per-view if you want to watch the match that you actually bought this pay-per-view to watch. Classic. <laughs> so- what was the what was the logic there? Because because shitloads of the other wrestlers were wrestling double duty <laughs> Wednesday, yeah. Tuesday. Why, why did why did Jake have to pull out? Well, I think one of the reasons for it. Um, so the captain of the face team was actually going to be uh, Sir Justice, but about two or three weeks before, and he actually got injured. So they teased it that it was going to be four and three, and the uh, face team of uh, LOD and the Boss Man was going to have a partner there. And a lot of people was convinced it was going to be the Macho Man. And that's why they bought the pay-per-view. But then all this shit happened <laughs> and decided, oh, fuck it, we've got their money now. We'll just make it a free-on-free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, bless, God bless Vince McMahon. <laughs> World's richest carny. Oh, he's the best. He's the best. Uh, I think New Jack said it best. He is the best. He's the greatest pimp in the world. <laughs> that's exactly what he is. <laughs> Leto will certainly agree with that. <laughs> so, with that out the way, so we get to the uh, first match of the night, and uh, we've got um, the heel team of Ted DiBiase, Million Dollar Man, the Mountie, the Warlord, and the debuting Nature Boy, Ric Flair. So, uh, they're facing off against the face team of Roddy Piper, Virgil, the British Bulldog, and Roddy Piper, uh, and uh, Brett Hart. And as a uh, Million Dollar Man's making his way out. You notice he's got his million, ti- uh, million dollar title back because uh, a couple of weeks before Andy defeated Fergil. And guess who helped him defeat Fergil, Mags? The Repo Man. 
Yay! <laughs> Unfortunately, the Reaper Man's not here tonight. But guess what? It we'll worked Tuesday. We're seeing him this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so, the face thing comes out. Bret Hart comes out to the big girly screen pop. Good for him. And the one thing I noticed, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog team up for the match. Five-year-old me would have been having a field day. <laughs> this, was, this was a really well-put-together match. Everyone in the match had some kind of rivalry against each other, even if they were just playing off that, um, you know... Um, Flair Piper uh, rivalry from Jim Crockett, which is really weird for WWE to do. But you know that everything else, you know, the Million Dollar Man and Virgil, um, you had Bulldog and Warlord that have been fighting all year, um, yeah. and Bret Hart and the Mountie um, were in a yeah. rivalry at the time. So this this one match on the card kind of made sense. Yeah. Yeah. How is it not the main um, event? Yeah. Exactly. I've got a that for later on. Because <laughs> I've spent far longer than anybody ever should trying to make put these matches into some sort of workable order, and well, me, yeah, it's impossible. It, well, yeah, it's su- it's such a disjointed pay per view. It really, really is. It's well, literally throwing not. shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. And none of it stuck because the walls lamming up, and it was literally well, diarrhea. <laughs> One of my favourite moments. Jim's there trying to really tell everyone his favourite moment. We just yeah, yeah, I will, I will get it. I will get it. The wall. <laughs> no, the part I noticed was when uh, Roddy Piper kissed uh, Sherry, and Heenan uh, said he's living dangerously, <laughs> implying she's got some sort of disease. <laughs> oh, that she'd just rightly kick him in the nudges. The thing was, Piper. <laughs> Piper sexually assaults Sherry, and then she gets sent to the back because it's 1991, and uh, being Andy a woman and player is uh, is the this problem. Is the yeah, Andy, got, Andy got cheered for it. That was that was something I noticed as well that people were cheering actual sexual assault. Well, but AEW did this last year with Dustin Rhodes and Jack. Um, Jack, I always say Jake Swagger or Jack Swagger or whatever because I can never um, Jake Hager's wife. Um, you know, it, it was bad enough in '91, but. 2020, AEW, the most progressive promotion out there. Let's wheel this out again. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody at the start thing. of the match see the two dickheads in the front row who were like full grown, like six foot plus men who decided to just stand up and start posing? Yeah, I saw them a yeah. few times. Right, yeah. I'm yeah. sure the one on the left was Tucker out of WWE's dad because he looks like Tucker A. Otis. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one of those guys is actually in contention for my mullet of the event because he has a real <laughs> mullet on him. And the one that annoyed the fuck out of me out of the crowd, and it's, it's becoming a recurring theme now, the dickhead dressed as Hulk Hogan. No, oh, you've, grown. you've got to have a Hulk Hogan at the, at, in, yeah, the, in, the, in the audience. We'll, we'll save well, him for the Hogan match. We'll save he, him for the Hogan yeah, match. He, he was acting like he was the one bowling the crowd up. Like, come on, crowd, cheer for me. I must pose. <laughs> yeah, you've, got, is, you've it, got to have a fake Hogan. Given that pipe of view, I don't, I don't blame the crowd for going into business for themselves and then to <laughs> yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to watch the wrestling. <laughs> yeah, but this was the point where we all still had hope. <laughs> yeah, the first match we, of the night. Uh, and we thought they were real. The one part I did enjoy, and I mentioned this when I reviewed the previous year's Survivor Series, was when Brett and DiBiase was in the ring. Uh, the chemistry between them two, I wish they had like a long program between them because 
the year before and they was the final two of that Survivor Series match and they had like five minutes and the five minutes what they had was so good and there's a few moments during this match where they was in the ring for three or four minutes at a time and just so good the two of them it, it's one feud I wish um, happened but um, yeah it's uh, it was quite good stuff and um, what the first elimination and like um, uh, Ric Flair does a diving knee onto the uh, Bulldog so uh I was surprised Bulldog was out first, not Virgil, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, Flair didn't tag in, did he? Sorry. No. Oh, he he, he <laughs> uh, did the, the, the move off the top and then just took the pin in, even though they didn't tag in. A lot of them didn't actually tag in in this match, uh, the, 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 the baddies. But I actually enjoyed um, uh, the Mountie. I thought he really played that cowardly heel perfectly, uh, especially when... Uh, we were getting uh, Brett into the ring and he'd like running hard in the corner and like hug up to his teammates. I thought he played uh, played his part well. Piper was his uh, exuberant self as always. But one the thing I was most impressed with was the drop kick from Bulldog. That was a good drop kick for a bloke of his size. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Um, but going back to DBRC, I thought he just he just ate everything in this match. He was bumping all over the shop. Uh, it yeah. really stood out to me in this match. It was just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you. Going back to watch this uh, this wrestling, especially with this uh, show, you you do have a massive appreciation for how good he was in the ring. Uh, yeah. uh, Ted DiRossi was is so underrated. He's just he he knew exactly how to play to a crowd. It was really really talented wrestler. Yeah, and. Uh... Second elimination comes, uh, Bret Hart does a double X handle on the Warlords and uh, Roddy Piper makes the cover for the 1-2-3, so uh, Warlords gone. Um, I think uh, one of the things that does help trying to make the shows a bit better is uh, Bobby Heenan, <laughs> because all through the night he was like, woo, <laughs> just throwing these Ric Flair catchphrases all night. <laughs> and uh, end of the match comes... Uh, Basically, the best way to ex- explain it, it's just chaos in the ring. Everyone got into the ring, and uh, minus uh, Ric Flair got thrown out. And for some bizarre reason, uh, the referee decided to DQ everyone in the ring except the one person who was outside the ring, which makes no sense at all. <laughs> and Ric Flair is declared the sole survivor and the winner of the t- winner of the match. Yeah, that it was a. a... Terrible ending for what was a really good like early nineties wrestling match. You can see why they did it. They wanted like Ric Flair to be a, the huge deal, but why not just let all the other guys get pinned? Did we did we really need to protect uh, Papa Hart, Virgil, and Ted DiBiase and the Bouncer? Uh, could they not have just been pinned and Ric Flair wins it through? skill rather than just being thrown over the top rope and just not being involved in the, the melee. You never need to protect Virgil or the Mountie. That's true. <laughs> Although I will say the Mountie, when he put that Boston Crab on Roddy Piper, that looked really bloody good. The way he like, properly wrenched him over and looked like he was laying it in. And that is the only good thing I will ever say about the Mountie. Yeah, I, I did not think it was uh, unique how he was like going backwards. Though. Normally they like kind of walk backwards. He was like hopping backwards and then yes. letting uh, Roddy get back to uh, his corner. I remember all the other heels fucked him off. <laughs> yeah, that was a good spot. <laughs> that was a good spot. Yeah. No, and, no, uh, thank you. Don't want to touch you. <laughs> uh, the faces attack afterwards and they celebrate in the ring afterwards. Fucking idiots. 
<laughs> so, so we see uh, Mean Gene and he's on the stage and he gets joined by the Macho Man. Have a guess what he talks about. This Tuesday in this Texas. Wednesday in Waco. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh shit, Waco. <laughs> you missed the bit where... Um, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> you missed the bit where Bobby Heenan phones uh, Mr. Perfect to find out what's happening in the flat on a landline. He just have laid tables for him all the way to that. And he even <laughs> wooed on the phone. Even in the pretend phone call, he still wooed. That is... That is just commitment to the gimmick. That was, was probably one thing I forgot to mention. on the other end of the phone talking <laughs> on the <laughs> That was the one thing I forgot to bring up. What do you think to uh, Mr. Perfect's tracksuit? Oh, it was... I want one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, the guy was a good wrestler, cool, but that tracksuit was horrific. It was like a walking yeah. migraine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Miz and the Matcha Man's um, talking to Main Jane, hyping up this Tuesday in Texas. And, um, yeah, not much to um, say about there. Um, oh, he did say uh, he's going to be all over, like, all over Jake, like, uh, all over melting butter. I like how it but... was um, 97% of people voted to reinstate Matcha Man. So, who yeah, are the 3% the of heartless <laughs> bastards who... Who didn't sm- smash Roberts? <laughs> I bet they were early adopters of the internet, definitely. Yeah. You didn't hear you learning about the count then, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> this interview did just come across as comical though in Macho's accent. And his hat. It's like I, I don't know if President Jack Tunney knows who the real snake is. It's you, Jake. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's his fucking name, you knob. I think the one thing about this interview that really did annoy me is they keep throwing to uh, Elizabeth to do an impression of Macho Man and she's shit at it. She cannot pull off a Macho Man voice. So stop letting her do it. I love it. That makes it for me. I just want that half... Oh, yeah. I want that half-assed Paul Bearer sounding impression at the end of every (laughs) Macho promo from Liz. It just tickles the piss out of me. Well, nothing else on this show did. This does everything about wrestling. One of the most over characters of that era was over for not being able to do an impression of a husband. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's weird because and probably could wrestle better than half the wrestlers that were in the matches. And and people think technical wrestling matters, you know. That just says it all. It's weird with Liz because she was so over, but she didn't really do much, did she? When you actually think about, like, for a manager, like. I was watching a uh, episode of Nitro, and like both her and uh, woman Nancy Benoit was manager of Ric Flair at the time, and like Nancy would be like you know banging on the uh, ring, trying to get the fans to you know chant along, clap along, and that. And Liz is just standing there, and when you know when you go for a career, that's all she pretty much done. But the fans just loved her anyway. Credit to her though, minimum effort and maximum reward. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I respect that. So we go to the next match, and uh, I had to double check this to see which team were the faces because we've got Jim Duggan, Matador, Tito Santana, and Tex Tornado, and they're teamed up with Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> what a fall from Gracie's had. Give <laughs> <laughs> a couple of pay per views. And they're up against Colonel Mustafa, aka the Iron Sheik. Pa- power by himself, there's no glory. Skinner. And the debut. Of the Berserker. Puss. 
Puss. He looks like if Will Ferrell played that silly fucker in the moose at who stormed the Capitol building. <laughs> <laughs> Put me sideways. This match was torture. Oh, it was horrid. It was really, really horrid. I tried to watch it again just before we recorded. I, I just I wandered off. I didn't even realise I could do that sat in front of my telly. I just yeah. <laughs> no. As well planned as the last match was, this this was just, you know, pull some names out of a hat. You know, yeah. it, it was like they'd hit the random selector button on 2K20 or something. And <laughs> <laughs> they'd just come up with eight guys and they had nothing to do with each other. And the, the worst thing was, they said that um, Jim Neidhart was supposed to be on the team, but he'd been beaten up by Ric Flair and the Beverly Brothers, who, who weren't even anything related to those two teams. It's like none of it made any sense. <laughs> Or in a feud with Jim Yandel Nada. Or known for talking to each other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite thing about the Berserker, um, it was on one of the super tapes, and I forgot who, I think he's tagging with like Papa Shango, and they're up against The Undertaker and The Ultimate Warrior. And there's a spot during the match, it's rather this match, was a singles match, but there's a spot of the match where Undertaker's flat on his back. And the Viserka actually tries to impale him with the sword <laughs> and take him moves. The sword actually goes into the ring canvas. <laughs> it's awesome. You have to YouTube it. Did, didn't he want to? Uh, didn't he want to fight Undertaker in a Viking funeral match? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like put him in a boat and push him out to sea. On fire. I love what he's on fire. I love his. <laughs> I love what his finisher was. You know what uh, the Berserker's finisher actually was. Did he actually win anything? I, I, no. I honestly do not recall him ever winning a match. His way of winning matches and his finisher was actually throwing people over the top rope and winning by count out. That was his finisher. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Imagine if he was in a title match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll come in handy in a couple of months' time at the Royal Rumble. But <laughs> besides that... <laughs> did, he win? did he win the Royal Rumble? Spoilers. <laughs> the only good bit in this match was when Heenan was pissing about getting the name of the arena wrong, calling it the Jim <laughs> Lewis Arena. I mean, Jim Lewis. Quite arena. frankly, everybody in that in, everybody in that arena would have been better going to fucking John Lewis. <laughs> and then I think uh, uh, Gorilla says something like, "No, it's Joe Lewis," and he's like, "Who's that?" <laughs> like as if he doesn't know who Joe Lewis is. What a hockey player he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the news that just to gloss over all the. But all the racist bullshit he spouts at Tito Santana. Oh my god, it was, <laughs> it was so racist. What they call uh, a flying, flying taco. tackle, a flying jalapeno. Uh, still guacamole on his tights. Yeah. Jesus he, he rang his bell, you know, like Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> I love the uh, vignettes they done because it showed you uh, Tito Santana like uh, training to be a bullfighter. He was training in Mexico and not in Spain, which I found funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the first—is this the first pay per view he he had as El Matador? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because he'd come out not happy. He was not happy that this was his gimmick. He had—he was—he had a face like thunder coming out to to the <laughs> ring. You could tell this like Vinci racist old bastard. <laughs> Yeah. Only Jim Duggan was happy to be in this match because I'm pretty sure even back then he was down to his last five brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> he just got stoned in, uh, before he came out, that's why. 
with that intrigue. He got the crowd chant in USA when the only non-American on the uh, on either side were left at that point was Tito Santana on his team. <laughs> yeah, but you could you could fart in the middle of the ring and they'd chant USA. <laughs> so That's how, how did Slo- how did Slaughter end up a face again? He did some promos. promos. He done some promos like going around camps saying, "I want my country back." Uh, <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a Trump supporter to be honest. But, um, and he, he just got his rank back just just like that. He's yeah. Well, it's stole it's stolen valor, so he didn't really need a rank anyway. He just says he was a sergeant. <laughs> well, he's, he's transferable anyway. He just transferred his rank to the uh, Iraqi army, and then transferred it back. Yeah. <laughs> then he just picked up an American flag and just went sauce. Yeah, sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much it. Uh, yeah. um, as we get as a, a lot of shots of uh, of the guy in the in the crowd with a suit and tie on and a WWE cap that doesn't fit him and the tardiest American flag known to the man waving it around. He looked a, a bit of a pillock. I saw like like out at the top of a burger. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I got so bored during this match. I actually googled Berserker's career. I, I just went on Wikipedia to have a read to see if there was anything interesting about him. And the only one I that? found was it was. Uh, Mildly interesting. It, he was in a tag team in the Pacific Northwest Wrestling called the Breakfast Club, and their gimmick was when they won, they poured Cheerios and milk over their opponents. And I, quite frankly, I'd rather have seen that. That sounds like a. To be fair, that sounds like an AEW gimmick or an OnlyFans gimmick. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a New Day gimmick, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, that's where yeah, the New Day have got booty on from <laughs> from watching old Berserker matches. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's true, it's canon now. John, John <laughs> well, well, Lord needs royalties. <laughs> well, we're at it, I looked up Skinner, and, and, and apparently the alligator hunter was his idea. I forgot yeah, about uh, Skinner, even when I was watching the match. <laughs> when, he went, yeah. when he went in for his gimmick meeting with Vince, he just threw a load of alligator parts on his desk. <laughs> I said, I don't know if you've got any ideas, but I've just caught 15 alligators, so can you do something with that? It's weird because he was like um, he was like a baby face like uh, around territories. Uh, he was part of the Fantastics, I think, uh, or the Fabulous ones. One, I think it's the Fantastics, and he was like you know white meat baby face, you know blonde bleached hair and that. And he teamed up with um, I think it was Stan Lane. He actually teamed up with before Stan Lane joined uh, Midnight Express, and like they done quite well. So it was weird to actually see him in this gimmick. If ever you've went back and watched old NWA stuff. Uh, as for the match, not much to say, as you can tell. Um, I forgot who eliminated who, actually. Uh, Slaughter Pinch. It doesn't matter. To, uh, <laughs> this was a match that happened. Slaughter, happened. Slaughter eliminated Mustafa. Yeah. Um, with a clothesline. Sergeant Pin Skinner, Duggan Pin the Berserker. Clean sweep to the faces, anyway. That's all I can say, but it was a fucking terrible match. It was painful. Um, what did make me laugh genuinely made me laugh and there was a one moment of entertainment and it was Slaughter selling uh, selling getting his head smashed into the turnbuckle by basically doing a Vader bomb yeah <laughs> that was amusing and uh, next segment we see Mean Jeans on stage and he's joined by Jake the Snake with uh, an interesting get up we should say uh, that beautiful bit of knitwear beautiful bit that of that jumper was horrible <laughs> who the well, was who it wasn't comes just a up jumper. With jumper designs though like that because that looks like something you draw when you're pissed. 
Then you think I, it went well, the leather trousers and the uh, snakeskin boots. <laughs> I, I've always thought it's snakeskin boots on someone called Jake the Snake. Is that not like cannibalism? <laughs> yeah. It's um, wearing that sort of stuff though, uh, now, though, couldn't you, with the uh, get up, see, turns up in? <laughs> I can't wait to see that jumper on dynamite. But <laughs> <laughs> he's probably still got it. It's in his uh, regular collection. Who's gear back? Just, <laughs> I've just been uh, telling the lads before we jumped on. Like I've just been uh, watching uh, Beyond the Mat, and the Jake the Snake segment comes on it. Man, it's so fucking depressing. So okay. if you're interested, we'll do a watch along <laughs> <laughs> and take fun of these misery at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good promo by Jake, and yeah, talks about this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> Shock horror. It was a good yeah. promo, but I'm pretty sure he threatens to kill Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it, yeah. It, it's very, very uh, sickening. Uh, like, uh, Dump Gene called him a sick man as well, and he says, thank you, like, as if he's really <laughs> happy to be called a sick man. Yeah. He does He does confirm that he is indeed the snake that they've been worried about all along. And then he goes a bit, <laughs> he goes a bit, he goes a bit Steinemats at the end. So it's not the it's not the end. It's not the beginning. It's not the beginning of the end. It's the end of the beginning, or some bullshit like that. Yeah. Dan, that that's from one of Winston Churchill's most famous speeches after victory in Egypt. Well, Winston Churchill <laughs> talked bollocks. Didn't he? <laughs> it was nonsensical uh, wankery. <laughs> Next up, we see um, the promo package um, for Taker and Hogan, the Gravest Challenge, and uh, we see the. Um, was called uh, it's at the funeral parlor, and uh, I absolutely love the setup of the funeral parlor. And uh, I need to go back and watch more superstars of wrestling, whatever the show was called, because it looked really good. Um, but we see the part where Ric Flair comes out, and he just cuts an awesome promo on Hogan. <laughs> and, he, and he actually had the WCW belt here earlier. Um, and in yeah. that match, it's the tag belt, and it's got a, a crappy oval black thing, but they had the proper video distorting on here. Yeah. And the, yeah. the thing that I loved is so there's a bit after the fight where Flair holds up both belts, and that's probably the last time that happens until Jericho in uh, 2001, one, two thousand and one, two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. The 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 video distorting was not exactly good though. There were plenty of times you caught a really good view of that belt, and they were distorting something else there. Yeah, I'd have fired Kevin Dunn if that was if it, that was handy. <laughs> Back then, but yeah, the 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 face to face promo was really really good from Flair, and then Hogan rips off his shirt and tries to do a bit of a promo, and it's like, no, you can't hang with Ric Flair on the mark, so let's yeah. attack him with the Undertaker. Yeah, the Undertaker just comes out of the uh, coffin like from behind, and uh, it was great. And then Macho Man and Roddy Piper coming out making the save with chairs, and Roddy Piper. I'm going to kill him if he doesn't go away. <laughs> Get him out of here. I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome to see because look at your three top baby faces, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, and Roddy Piper. It's fucking awesome. Why wasn't it a Survivor Series match, Roddy, Macho Man, and Hogan against Jake, Taker, and Ric Flair? Why was that? Because we had to pay for it for this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I love the way that they ended this, though. Like they couldn't tack on uh, enough that Hogan was was a Christian, and he had the heart ripped out of him, and he was gripping that 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 crucifix that had taken ripped off his neck, really kind of hammering home the the Catholicism. Yeah, it it was it was. It was, it was You there? I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. Yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, it was it was a great segment, but the, the video distortion made it look like Ric Flair was just running around with his cock out. <laughs> he might well have been like yeah. <laughs> windmilling while whilst holding the two towels. <laughs> I, I just don't know but think of Japanese pornos to be honest on pornos. <laughs> you keep that in in the the sanctity of your own shed. <laughs> it's wrestle sheds during the day on the night time it's a completely different shed <laughs> such a shed stimulation <laughs> wow so, so, so we'll get to the match the gravest challenge it is the Undertaker uh, challenging for the title what, exactly one year after his uh, debut so at the previous Survivor Series so and the reason he jumped the queue and became number one contender. So during the summer, the two programs at the time was uh, Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker with their body bag matches. And on one set of shows, on the other set of shows, it was Slaughter against Hogan and Warrior and Taker was just outdrawing them completely. And I think the original plans was that they, they was going to uh, keep uh, Taker away from Hogan till WrestleMania. But that got sped up with the sign of Ric Flair. So that's why it's happening tonight. And um, yeah, uh, Taker makes his way to the ring. Um, I do miss the old uh, Undertaker gimmick. And then Hogan comes out and uh, flips over the uh, coffin with the uh, American flags on it and the Hulkamania badges. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how it is. So uh, what do you think to the, uh, how the match went? Hogan had no plan for flipping over that casket. No. <laughs> so he just flipped it and then he's like, I'm going to, I'll just leave it there. Can <laughs> <laughs> someone pick that up, please? It's like a teenager when they made a mess of their own room. <laughs> yeah. It dawns on them that they've got to clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my um, favourite bits was when um, Paul Bearer attacks uh, Hogan when Hogan went over the apron. And like Paul Bear is attacking him, and then he kisses the air, and he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, the mini orgasm." It was that when he yeah. turned like right to the camera, and he's like, yeah. Yeah, full, he, full face. He did yeah. it a couple of times, then he right into the camera. Uh, for me, this match shows that the Undertaker, whilst it's an amazing gimmick, it needed a certain kind of wrestler to make a match work and Hogan was not that wrestler. He was not the ring general. He didn't have the pace or uh yeah it it just it didn't work. These were two like two lumbering idiots trying to have a pretend fight. Uh yeah the the matches got awful. I'm glad they stuck it on a Survivor series because this would have been a terrible WrestleMania match. At times it felt like Undertaker was trying to indulge Hogan's autoerotic asphyxiation uh, (laughs) because it was just constant (laughs) choking. Constant. My favourite uh, bit was um, you had the guy um, dressed, you know, cosplaying as Hogan on the front row, and yeah. um, you know, trying to get the crowd going for Hogan and stuff. 
And then when he sees Ric Flair coming down, he completely marks out and gets his camera out and he's taking pictures of Ric Flair. <laughs> it was doing the same thing when when Hogan was getting choked. Like, your hero is getting choked on the floor and you're there trying to trying to get a, a, a picture of it. Yeah, I hated that guy. What a tosser. One thing that got me was when I think it was Gorilla said both men of equal stature and Hogan is visibly several inches shorter. (laughs) You can't kayfabe my eyes. (laughs) Bobby Heenan was uh, being sarcastic at best uh, because Gorilla was like, no one will beat the Hogster. And Heenan's like, oh yeah, because he's the immortal Hulk Hogan. (laughs) And he really dry tone. It was so good and did you enjoy the part where Undertaker tombstoned Hogan and he just like completely no sold it? No. That, what what a wanker. What an absolute wanker. I mean, can you imagine how that goes like in booking the match? Yeah, hit yeah, brother, hit your big move and I'm just gonna get right up on it. You'd be like, you absolute twat. Wow. And that, at, at that point, you was fearing that the Undertaker would end up becoming like the earthquake. And would be straight down into the mid card straight after, because mm-hmm. this is exactly what happened to the likes of King Kong Bundy and like the Earthquake, these big monsters who was get who gets a push to like the main event, and then after feuding with Hogan, they tumbled right down to the mid card. That this could have very easily happened to the Undertaker when you actually think yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah, the Undertaker said not 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 so long ago that Hogan didn't even want to be tombstoned, and well, uh, and he so he he'd gone to Undertaker before before the match, and uh, and told him that um, he, he was nervous about taking the tombstone because Undertaker was a young guy and that. And Undertaker said, no, I'll, I'll look after you. I'm, I'm completely safe with it and that. So I don't know if that played into, um, I don't know if that played into him no selling the tombstone or not. Um, no, well, then, then, then the second, the, the, the second tombstone, um, Hulk Hogan actually pretended that the Undertaker had injured him. And when he went when he went backstage, he was like lying on Vince McMahon's uh, office floor, saying, "Oh, my, I think my neck's gone," and uh, call my wife and call my wife and family to tell them I'm injured. <laughs> and I really, I've heard a rumor that the reason he didn't want to take the tombstone, obviously, it's the impact on the top of his head. He was worried it'd mess his hair up. <laughs> in, in case it brought any follicles back to the surface. <laughs> I was going to say though, Paul, I thought he'd sold that really well, but obviously he was really trying to sell it to uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah, no, he, he, he wanted he wanted everyone to believe that that the Undertaker, this new guy they just put the belt on, had uh, had injured Hogan for for, 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 real, for realsies. <laughs> well, that's that when uh, Jerry Lawler tombstoned him in Memphis. He uh, he just lay down in the ring and and wouldn't move until they got him an ambulance, even though he wasn't injured. And then uh... with this uh, tombstone onto the onto the chair, if you actually, I mean, I watched it uh, uh, over and over again. He, he, he's nowhere near the chair. His head is literally a good six inches above the chair. That he doesn't make any contact. So for him to say, "Oh, uh, Undertaker has injured me," what? He's even more of an arsehole than I thought he were. Yeah. Jesus Christ! So, so, so Undertaker confronts him on the it, on the t- on the Tuesday, the big Tuesday. <laughs> And, what, uh, what Tuesday is that? <laughs> Big Tuesday in Texas, you know. So he, oh, he, confront, yeah. he confronts him and tells and tells him exactly that. He says he, he says that your head was nowhere near the mat. Um, you can't have been injured. And Hogan said, "No, you, you held me too tightly, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't move my head to uh, to absorb the shock, and that's what injured me." And then the Undertaker oh, was like, "Well, I, that's when I that's when I found out what what a guy Hogan was." 
Um, but yeah, Ric Flair, uh, <laughs> for people thinking where the steel chair came from, <laughs> Ric Flair came yeah. down. What and, steel chair? And, what and, the fuck's that about? <laughs> 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 kind of went. Kind of went past the match here, but never mind. Um, but yeah, Ric Flair came down and uh, put the chair in the ring. So, like you said, take a tombstone him. And like you said, like uh, and like when you mentioned it, like Take uh, was convinced himself that oh, oh my god, I've you know I've nearly broke the neck of the Golden Goose. And when he went back and watched the match himself, he was like really angry with Hogan. And Many like a few years later, uh, Judgment Day, Hogan would uh, try and sabotage Taker again when he decided to not pick himself up for a choke slam when they was fighting for the undisputed title. Um, so yeah, uh, best <laughs> safe to say they're not the best of friends. You would, um, you would but, absolutely love for Taker to just go shoot and just kick the living shit out of him. Would you like proper laming with some proper potatoes? <laughs> be awesome. Yeah. Imagine how much uh, he must have been shitting himself, though. He thought he'd injured, like you said, the Golden Goose Hogan. He, he thought yeah. he'd injured him in his first title shot. He must have been shitting then. himself. Yeah. yeah. At least he got Rene Goulet up here, day. Uh, he was always the guy that came down with that shock of blonde hair and the uh, ridiculous glasses like Dennis Taylor. And, uh, is that who that, that yeah. guy is with the bowl haircut? I have wondered yeah. for years who that guy is. Absolutely yeah, years. Double bubble on this show because he's in the uh, package at the start of the show as well. Yeah. So yeah. it is getting two <laughs> So yeah, well, uh, the Undertaker defeats uh, Hulk Hogan and he becomes the new World Wrestling Federation champion. And uh, he was super young as well. I think he was like 27. So he was quite young and like within like basically a year after he debuted, defeated the biggest name in wrestling. So uh Great, so we'll see how that pans out this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think it don't you think it felt really underwhelming though? Being, oh, being dead in the middle of the card, Morgan yeah. not getting to pause. Yeah, it, it wasn't like a pay per view, it was like a go on show for maybe an actual pay per view on that Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the part of the show, so this is the halfway point and obviously we're used to used to it now, halfway point of a show, loads of promos. And it's all chaos backstage, and we see Mean Gene, and <laughs> we see Roddy Piper. He must have been hanging out with Jake. Fares, he's all dramatic. They say anything happened in the World Wrestling Federation. Ding dong, ding dong. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Viper? <laughs> We've got another Adam's family connection, though. When he called Undertaker <laughs> an Adam's family reject. Because <laughs> yeah. Ric Flair, because of it. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that Take becoming champion was no different than David Duke becoming president and, and he, he, David Duke was running for Republican nomination and he was a former member of the American Nazi party so having wow. a literal Nazi as president was worse than <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's on the nose Jesus Christ well, Next we see uh, Sean Mooney and he's with Ric Flair and Perfect and uh, Awesome promo by Flair, like he's the best. But one of the things that <laughs> made me laugh, there's only one world champion, Ric Flair. And I'm thinking, well, no, The Undertaker's just become World Wrestling Federation champion here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Give him some like credit. Maradona at the 94 World Cup as well, didn't he? Yeah. He had the cocaine psycho eyes in full force. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Dude, they definitely had a line or two just before that promo. And the funny thing is, uh, I mean, we'll get to it in a couple of episodes, but at the Royal Rumble, he's, he couldn't wax lyrical enough about the WF title. It was the, that proved he is the man. But it, 
this event he's absolutely shitting on it. So yeah, the two faced snake. If you've got the choice of the WWF title or a tag team title with a uh, black dot over it, everyone's going to take the tag team title with a black dot over it, aren't they? Exactly, exactly. It's it's Um, the lineage. (laughs) Next, um, we see uh, Sean. uh, Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah. uh, Next, we see um, IRS and uh, Disasters cut a promo. And then we move over to uh, Sean Mooney with LOD and the Big Boss Man, and they're talking. And my favourite part was <laughs> Hawk is about to do his catchphrase. What a Sean Mooney goes, wait, I'm just hearing, Mooney, don't you start. What a rush. <laughs> I would have loved it if he took Mooney off stage. <laughs> he pissed off the wrong man. <laughs> he, just, he just punched him, just clean knocked him out. <laughs> it was when Hawk threatened to uh, reduce the opponents to a pile of socks. I mean, where I, I didn't even know where he was going with with that until he said the the socks at the end. Just, <laughs> I mean, he can nail promos sometimes, but other times they just they they terrible, and that was a terrible one. So during the time all this is happening, uh, Hogan's pitching a flip to uh, Jack Tony. Uh, saying he's been screwed and the whole Kamania have seen happy brother but we go back to Gene and he gets joined by Jack Tunney and he confirms there will be a rematch at the earliest possible date and what date do you think that is? It's Tuesday in lot, A lot of people think you know wrestling exists in its own world but this was a crossover with Doctor Who because Jack Tunney had got himself from Stanford, Connecticut to the Joe Lewis um, Arena, is that in Chicago? In, tw- in, in a- Jim Lewis Arena. Jim Lewis Arena, yeah. What there's, there's player he was. Done that. He, he was live from the um, head office and then he's uh, in the arena, so there's been some kind of time travel. Or uh... I didn't even register that. One thing I did notice, they were saying, and I'll be at ringside to enforce it. What the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> An absolute figurehead means absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, he had no power anyway because he, he literally said, I can't reverse the referee's decision. So there wouldn't be no he could do. No. Uh, but yeah, let's, bo- let's, let's boost Tuesday night in Texas yet again. <laughs> The, the, the brilliant thing was, at this point, they hadn't actually announced it was a pay-per-view. They, they, they right. were just selling it as a house show, and they were going, oh, we're, we're having a word with the TV company, see if there's any way possible we can bring it to you. So they, yeah. it hadn't even had weeks' worth of build. It was like, oh, we might do a pay-per-view. Which is mad, <laughs> yeah. because then you look, you think about this, saying, oh, we don't know if we're going to have TV coverage. And this is the shit they've put on to get people to, to, to buy it. it yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm really enjoying this pay-per-view that I've paid that $30 for. I'm definitely paying another $30 for f- in five days' time. Uh, to to be fair, it was only uh, twelve ninety-five for this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, I would have paid the, for Tuesday in Texas if I got my money back for, for this one. <laughs> Speaking of shit, next up is the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're joined. It just gets worse. You think that you watched a terrible match and it, it can't get any worse, and then they chuck the fucking bushwhackers and the Beverly Brothers at you. Brilliant. At least I, can't I can't believe yeah, when that promo section started that it, it was only the middle of the show. 
<laughs> and it took we also three see weeks. The... <laughs> <laughs> we also see the return of the genius, which is good to see because uh, I, when me and you robbed on our first ever episode, he was my MVP of the night, Rumble ninety, uh, with his match with uh, Brutus. So um, yeah, so uh, good to see the genius back there, tagging along with the nasty boys, and they are against the Bushwreckers and the Rockers. First thing I noticed, uh, empty seats. First thing I noticed, mullet match. Yeah, this is <laughs> this. If your mullet of the match uh, of the event doesn't come out of this match, you are doing laugh wrong, because even the bushwhackers uh, could have pulled off a mullet in this match. They were just, it was just everywhere. Mullet on mullet on mullet. Glorious, and um, yeah, uh, first of shared. <laughs> 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 and first elimination uh, Nobbs hits a flying clothesline on Luke to eliminate him and the one thing I did write down Shawn Michaels looked so bored during this match he did didn't he? he was on the apron for a big part of this match so he looked like he wanted to be anywhere Marty was all up for it Marty was like come on Butch come on Luke but Shawn was like I am too good to be in this match <laughs> well, when they finally got in like I think it was the Rockers both got in at the same time. Did a double drop kick, and you're right, Marty Jannetty was just there with a just a big massive grin on his face, like I've been told he's got a new stepdaughter. <laughs> and he's got Allegedly. to go meet. He's got to go meet a bloke behind a, a bowling alley soon. Allegedly. <laughs> Keyword. Uh, the Beverly hits their uh, double tag team move on Butch to eliminate him. And, uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels hits a backslide pin on Bo to eliminate him. And to notice the difference on Bo and Blake, uh, credit to OSW Review, Blake has got the rake on his face, so he's the one with the mustache, and Bo's the clean-cut one. So now you know the difference. Well, and, uh, tell that to uh, Gorilla Tell Mons. that to Gorilla, because he just kept calling him a Beverly or the Beverly. <laughs> 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 Beverly 1 and Beverly 2 <laughs> I like to think Gorilla just and, sat there and thought they put no effort into booking it I'm not putting the effort into calling it fuck this yeah exactly <laughs> I don't blame him and, and, and I know you said earlier that the um, Flair didn't tag in I'm sure Flair did tag in and Gorilla just wasn't paying attention it's like didn't see the tag. <laughs> there seemed to be a lot of times in this pay-per-view where they didn't know what was going on probably because Vince McMahon was in their ears going this Tuesday in Texas this Tuesday say it again <laughs> <laughs> pimp it <laughs> Certainly in this match, the commentators were missing everything. Well, there wasn't much to this. And uh, Sean, next, I just wrote down the code tag to Marty because the fans was just not up for this match. And uh, a point hits where um, Marty picks up uh, Sags, I believe, and uh, Sags's legs collide with Shawn Michaels. Nobbs rose up Shawn Michaels for the pin. And then after this, Marty... Uh, well, him and Marty has a bit of a bust-up, which this has been happening for a few weeks now, the dissension. And uh, eventually Marty gets pinned. And, uh, yeah, uh, the heels win three members to one, uh, to zero. So, uh, And this is the end of the Rockers on the pay-per-view. So um, when going back, like growing up, I remember loving the Rockers. And they call them tag team specialists, even though they never won the tag team title, which I found ironic. Um, I always liked the Rockers, but... Going back and watching these pay-per-views, I'm thinking they were fucking jobbers when you think about Like, besides from the odd victory against the Orient Express, nine times out of ten, they lost on pay-per-view. They lost to the power and glory at SummerSlam. Oh, that's law. Yeah, that is law. I mean, 
how bad would you feel to be uh, Bo Beverly, though, being the only one of his team to be fucking eliminated? <laughs> what What was so good about Blake that he got got to survive? That was out of order. I don't think it was. Like, I think it was literally they just they started writing it and they just thought, right, that's the first eliminate. Yeah, we've only got it's, one it's nearly lunch. It's nearly lunch time. Yeah. We've only got yeah. one spot we need to cover. We need to cover Marty and, and Sean falling out. Uh, so you all just do what the fuck you want. And just make sure you do that spot and then it's on you. I like to think that was actually it. And they, they all told uh, Bo, I've already, I've already forgotten which Beverly got eliminated. Um, they told whichever one was getting eliminated. They're like, oh yeah, well, it's, it, there's gonna, only going to be one guy left. And then they just stood there giggling at him for the whole time. Yeah. Just like... <laughs> So, and and Heenan and Gorilla just went their about. own way. They just they said Shawn Michaels walked out. Yeah. <laughs> that was the story, so, and they were sticking to it. Well, that's one because of walking out. Certainly carrying um, they, they stopped selling for one moment this Tuesday in Texas and started selling the magazine. So it's <laughs> like UBC, you know, we've got the deal of the week, but let us just tell you about... Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually... Um, I did remember um, when I was watching this that um, the Macho Man had been on QVC in the 90s and I wondered if it was for this event. And it, was, it was actually for the run-up run to WrestleMania 10. So when we get to that, we need to watch that as well. But, um, you know, the, there was more selling in this pay-per-view than that episode of QVC with the Macho Man. <laughs> Are you sure it worked for the run-up for Tuesday night in Texas? No, no, you have to you have to be solely focused on selling Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> you can't be selling them on... Uh, Toothpicks or whatever he was selling. <laughs> and uh, speaking on that magazine and the big story of it was uh, the Rockers potentially splitting up, and they did. And this is the last time we'll be seeing Matty Gennetti till uh, Rumble '93, I believe. Um, so a few weeks after this, the infamous um, barbershop uh, heel turn by uh, Shawn Michaels uh, throwing Gennetti through the window, or as Bobby Heenan called it, he dived out the window, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, Matty Gennetti was never to be seen again for another year, while Shawn Michaels became Shawn Michaels. Uh, you live Marty. <laughs> which, which makes, uh, I know we can't really draw much logic from this show, but Marty had like the best of that match. And at the yeah. end, had like the really heroic comeback, or almost almost making it, almost like, with almost um, fighting back. So then for him to disappear for three years is, is a bit surprising. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, in hindsight, they made the right decision. They bet on the right answer with that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one, of the reasons why, one of the reasons why they split up, so um, during this time, or just beforehand, uh, it would have been beforehand, they was doing like a commercial, rather for some cereal for a magazine, like a photo shoot, and Rockers are there, and so is a couple of tag teams, and Legion Doom was there. And Marty asked Legion Doom how much you get getting paid, and I think, Legion Doom got like $25,000 each. Some, something quite high compared to them. And I think Marty said we was getting like $5,000 each. And Marty wasn't happy. So he tried to broker a deal to go to WCW. And he told Sean about the money situation. He's like, I've got a deal with Magnum TA. Uh, he said he can get us a good deal. So we'll put our release in. So, so Sean said in his book, which I don't believe it, his first book is just full of lies. Um, but he said that he never wanted to leave. And which I guess I kind of believe uh, when you think about it, because he never did leave. But when he spoke to Magnum, he, there was no offer. And Matt, he's supposed to talk to a friend of Magnum TA. 
and it was a bullshit deal. So in the end, or during this time as well, uh, Sean got a phone call from Vince McMahon saying, I'm sorry to hear you go. Uh, you're someone who I was hoping to build a company around one day. And if the door's always there open, if you want to come back. One thing led to another. They eventually stayed. Uh, but Sean, from that point on, was like, right, I'll stay, but I don't want to be with Marty no more. And that led towards the heel turn. And the rest, they say, is history. So Marty was essentially Jay out of the Jay out of the in between us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, yeah. yeah come Hello, on, I've, uh, got, I've got your trial at West Ham, mate. <laughs> Friends. That that cereal company won mugs because Berserker would have done that ad for about twenty five dollars. <laughs> well, so it's the main event, and it's a weird main event, like no Hogan. Um, so it's a natural disasters and IRS, and they're against the uh, Legion Doom and the uh, Big Boss Man. Um, one of the spots I did enjoy was uh, when Hawk press tossed the uh, IRS onto the Typhoon. Typhoon caught him, and then Hawk just hit uh, a drop kick on the two of them just to knock them down. Um, but what do you think to this being like the main event? It's weird when you think about it. Ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, almost and like was... they were building for another event. That maybe we're yes. coming up here in a week or so's time. <laughs> but this was the only match. So the one of the two matches that had the baby faces winning. The only other option to send because the the one that wanted to put on, you know, screwy finish like the first match or have a heel win to send people home like just on the day before Thanksgiving. They weren't going to do that. So they booked themselves yeah. into a corner whereby they had to put this match on last. Or that absolute abomination of the second match. Yeah. So there was there was no there was no winning here. Either you send people home unhappy on a national holiday. Yeah. Or it's, you uh, have this. Yeah, but and I still I don't, don't know if they made the right decision. Yeah, and, but uh, at that time, Legion of Doom were getting the biggest pops of, of anyone in the in the company. So if you are going to go the screwy finish with with Hogan. You you send them you send the crowd home happy with the Legion of Doom standing tall as well. So that kind of made sense. But yeah, the the way the card was booked, they, they like you said they backed themselves into a corner. Um, I did enjoy uh, the the subtle face turns of of uh, the natural disasters when uh when earthquake were uh, he he made well he he told uh, took uh, typhoon come on we're leaving now. Uh, he hit you with a with a briefcase. Come on, we're going and we start that mm-hmm. like that that slow face turn for those guys. But yeah, this was a, another not good match. Are you uh, darts fans? Yes. Yeah. Don't Typhoon remind you of Andy Fordham? <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was someone he reminded me of, but I couldn't I couldn't place it. He's a spin. You're spot on. Um, wow. Well, yeah. The match, couple of moments. There was a part where uh, Bossman was um, stood on IRS's tie, and Heenan crept. He's standing on his tongue. <laughs> yeah, finally, oh, I think, was it was it Gorilla brought that up uh, during SummerSlam about why does nobody use the tie against IRS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and then and, he didn't uh, even mention it. He didn't even say like nothing from Gorilla. He <laughs> was getting um, prepared for Tuesday. Do you not understand the running theme of this show? Oh, they had that big show in Tennessee, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. yeah, Thursday night in Tennessee. 
<laughs> Gorilla said um, that um, the boss man was throwing better better punches than Evander Holyfield, who two weeks earlier had had a, um, uh, a, a decisions loss against Riddick Moore, which was voted the Fight Magazine's match of the year. And Gorilla said the boss man's better than that. Shout out to Riddick Moore. <laughs> Mutual followers on Twitter. <laughs> And um, at the eliminations during the match, so IRS uh, hits the suitcase on the boss man to eliminate him. Uh, tries to send spot again, but accidentally. <laughs> 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 tries the same spot again on the bo- on the hawk, but hawk dodges it and it hits the typhoon. P- uh, they pin typhoon to eliminate him, and like Max said, the two him and the earthquake walks out. And it's down to IRS, and to be fair to him, he puts up a strong showing against the LOD two on one, but the numbers game plays its advantage, and uh, it was a bit, I was a bit sick for that they didn't actually go for a doomsday device, it was like a one-man doomsday device by Hawk, diving clothesline, one, two, three, and even though it's a topsy-turvy show, which it has been in like the match placement, it's actually quite nice to see Legion of Doom standing tall at the end of the show, and because, like he said, Legion of Doom was so over, and it, it felt it's very different, especially during this time, Hulkamania years, to actually see a tag team like end the pay per view. And uh, am I right to believe that they actually are from Detroit, Michigan, or am I wrong? Uh, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, yeah, my mistake. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, it's all the same as America. crowd going for him. And yeah, and um, after that, we uh, go to the back and uh, we see Sean Mooney and he talks about Hulk Hogan. He says that I tried to Hulk, talk to Hulk, but Hulk Hogan said, to be honest, Mooney, I want to do my talk in the ring. I thought, fucking hell, that's the first. <laughs> <laughs> He's still pouting if he can get to pose. <laughs> and then we uh, join Mean Gene before the show signs off, and he's in the uh, the catacombs or the bowels of the Joe Lewis Arena. <laughs> and he gets joined by uh, Paul Baron, <laughs> Undertaker, and Undertaker said, "Tonight was the end of Hulkamania, but this Wednesday." <laughs> I wish he said that. <laughs> He said, <laughs> Wednesday, <in> Wisconsin. <laughs> it's Monday in Manchester, Alabama. <laughs> the union. The Undertaker could have been there with his union rep saying, No, he's not working Tuesday. <laughs> he's, got a, he's booked a half day. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of Paul Heyman's promo, One Might Stand, when he's slagging off JBL. JBL, the only reason you're champion. Because Triple H doesn't like working Tuesdays. It's like the greatest <laughs> band in wrestling history. And yeah, speaking of bands, because that's how I felt when I watched the show. The show is officially finished. Uh, what what was in the we... coffin? A camera. The soul of Hulk, <laughs> the soul of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, when when, when uh, Taker's saying, Gene, look in the coffin, and you're like, if I, you were you, you were like, get fucked, I know how this works, no way am I looking in that coffin. Uh, but yeah, that was some good camera work, though, the the, the yeah. burial and then the closing of the coffin. And Paul Bear is always was... fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yes! <laughs> so, that's the end of the show, so before we get to the awards, uh, uh, grade in the show, I can honestly say so. So 
me and Rob, we reviewed Rumble 90 to begin the show with um, about six months ago now. I've had some good times watching pay-per-views. I can honestly say this is the worst pay-per-view I've reviewed up to now. And even that's a compliment. Yeah. Um, this show was the first match, which we'll get to match the awards later. Um, but first match was okay. Um, main event, for what it was, was actually okay. Um, but God, this show was just... I do not recommend anyone watching this show. Uh, I said uh, last on the last show that I've never actually watched a show. I've watched the Taker-Hogan match, but I've never actually watched this pay-per-view. I kind of wish that I could go back in time to those great, great days last month when you hadn't watched this show. You, I'd rather uh, watch the AWA challenge, uh, Team Challenge series than this. Oh, that's amazing, though. Dan, that's one of the best things ever made. <laughs> in the way that really bad movies are. Without think. a slight bit of sarcasm in his voice. It's like, it's like the room, you know, you're quite right. The, the thing about this pay-per-view, it raises two questions. Firstly, if you'd have paid... Why? In today's money, thirty-two pounds for Survivor Series. Wow. Would you be paying in today's money another seventeen pounds for this Tuesday in Texas? Not when they pimped it halfway through the show and basically was, if you like watching this, please give us more money. You'd be like, get fucked. This wasn't <laughs> worth the money I paid. Now you ain't getting another penny out of me. Yeah, this was an awful, awful pay per view. It wasn't even if you like watching this. It's if you if you want to see the two guys you thought you were paying to see. <laughs> yeah. Again like, next Tuesday. Yeah, this was like if EA, current modern day EA, made a wrestling pay per view. You've got like a trailer which, oh, this is going to be great. Then you get the game, it's shit, and the same. But we've got all this DLC coming. Pay another, yeah. pay another X amount. Pay another X amount. No, fuck off. You fleeced me. I actually felt ripped off. Just for having my network subscription that I just sit through that page. <laughs> oh, people whinging about, I'm cancelling my network subscription, I'm cancelling my network subscription. I was bloody close, and I did that to myself. The other cluster fucking bullshit. You tweet that, you should actually tweet that, say, I've watched uh, uh, Survivor since 1991, and I actually genuinely want my 999 back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you people bitching whinge about Raw and SmackDown and current pay per views. Go fuck yourself. Watch some. Watch Survivor Series 1991. Back in our day, that was the bullshit. <laughs> That's this why when I, when I said that, you know, when we were talking about SummerSlam 91, and like it was like mixed really. And I said, to, in my opinion, I thought it was a really good show. Now I think uh, you, Dan, you put like a C plus after watching Survivor Series. What do you think of SummerSlam now? <laughs> <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> I miss it so much. I, I want to retroactively upgrade uh, SummerSlam to uh, to an A star. <laughs> August ninety one was a golden age for wrestling. <laughs> it was compared it to was. November. <laughs> um, the other question, during is, uh, though, is um, I'm presuming none of us actually sat down and watched this whole and got distracted and did something else. What else did you do to, to sort of refresh your palate in the middle of Survivor Series 91 to get through it? Okay. Well... I was just sending off emails to wrestlers trying to get more interviews. <laughs> I, I'm I watching watch... Survivor Series. That's just shit. Can I speak to you? <laughs> I, watched, I watched Kenny Omega versus Nato from the uh, 2018 G1 uh, for another <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> I, I watched uh, Les Kelly versus uh, Leon Harris from 1974. Oh, that's a masterpiece. But, but, but it's always... Uh, if wrestling's shit, I always go to that match just to remind me that wrestling's good, and then I can kind of get through the rest. Of the <laughs> I got so bored during this match because I was watching it on my laptop. And how shit is the network on on uh, browser, yeah. by the way? It's, so I'm watching it on a terrible interface anyway. But I had my headphones on because my dad was taking a uh, was on like a, a teams meeting in in the front room, and he doesn't have a mic or anything. I actually got so bored, I listened in. On his meeting, listen to, listen to him talk about construction <laughs> and office refits because it was more entertaining than watching fucking Jim Duggan and fucking Sergeant Slaughter bungle fuck their way through a fucking piece of shit match. There wasn't even right. any Valentine. I mean, we've, we've complained about him before, but you'd have killed for him on this show. I'm <laughs> He's the best stepmom. So. With that out of the way, we'll get to the uh, favorite, our uh, fun part of the show, the awards. So, uh, oh, we're spoiled for choice here. Your match of the, of the night <laughs> is the one, is the natural match. The awkward I'd have gone with the least offensive match of the night. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd go with the opener. Yeah, yeah. apart, the apart opener. from the end, the end ruined it, but uh, but it was still a great match as it was, when it was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, next one we go to then. Uh, I think that's going to happen this, but next time, of course, this is tough. Your uh, moment of the night. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours, 34 minutes and 17 seconds when it ended. <laughs> not, not even not even the end interview with, with Bear or anything like that. Just, the, just when it, the screen faded to black, that was my moment of the night. For me, yeah. it's probably uh, Jake's promo. Uh, even though it did have a, a bit of a weird ending with the the ending, the beginning and the middle and, and the start and the finish. Uh, he was so good on the Mac as a promo. So, yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Piper and Flair um, sort of faced off in that first match. And the only reason that is a good moment of the night is because they'd had a massive rivalry before and uh, they went and had a massive rivalry since. So... Maybe it's not fair to give it, but at least it was that kind. And the, and the crowd did know it was important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with the Undertaker winning the winning the title. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't a good match, and I, I, um, obviously he may, he may he may lose it again on Tuesday. We don't know, but um, <laughs> but uh, it, that, that, that's such a big moment. You know, he, we like said he's a young guy. He was one year into his WWF career, and he he beat Hogan. So. Yeah, um, I have to agree. Like uh, the iPhone was, it was just overshadowed by the Hogan bollocks, wasn't it? Like, yeah. And uh, one one thing I forgot to mention as well. So when Hogan's, you know, so to be fair, the Hogan he sold that tombstone. I will give him credit. Uh, but when he was selling that tombstone, and obviously all the officials came out, so it was like a couple of weeks before, and where I think it was like an NFL player who actually became paraplegic, like suffering like a broken neck during the game, and. While Hogan was selling this, Monsoon on commentary was saying that Hogan's been out to visit this guy, and the irony is he might be paralyzed. I'm like, fucking hell, that's pretty sick to say, <laughs> you know, making light of a real life situation. That's Gorilla Hogan. Was all, Gorilla was Just only saying pre- what we were all hoping for. Yeah. 
So imagine, imagine, like, imagine using a real, a real world, uh, a real world tragedy to promote a pay per view this Tuesday, in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with so, the WWF, surely not. <laughs> so uh, I suppose take uh, winning the titles the moment night, but um, next one, uh, MVP of the night. Uh, me personally, I've got to go with Flair. Like you know, cut a good pro. The best parts of the show was wasn't actually on the show. It was actually filmed two weeks before and on Superstars. But <laughs> I suppose seeing the clips of uh, Ric Flair's promos and he done well in his match and uh, interfered with a title match and his promo afterwards. Uh, I think he's the only answer. I might be wrong, but for me, it's Ric Flair's the MVP of the night. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go with Flair as well. And I mean, you know, obviously he's doing all the classic uh, Flair moves, the pratfall and all that sort of stuff, but. One thing about this match, which you hardly ever get, is he hit a move off the top rope. How many times has Ric Flair gone up to that top rope and been thrown off for that uh, spot? But he actually hit one. So that must be the only time. <laughs> cool. And you, Dan, who's your MVP tonight? Uh, me for getting through, getting through it. <laughs> um, no, if, if, actually, my, my MVP tonight, I mentioned it before, it was um, Ted DiBiase in the opening match. I thought yeah. it was phenomenal. He was the real workhorse in that match. He he slogged his guts out, took almost every move. I wouldn't be surprised to if I found out that he actually spent the most time in the ring by a long, long way. But yeah. that, that is the one performance of it that really, really stood out to me. And you, Paul? It's, it's got to be Jake the Snake's nan for that uh, for that jumper. <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job on it. Uh, no, it has to be Flair. Flair. Um, definitely nice. Flair. Um, I'm tempted to go with Jack Tunney for, for oh, just right. being in every single, every single promo, every single. It was like like uh, Rob said, he made the trip halfway across the country to make sure he was at the show and at headquarters. But no, it it was flair for me. Uh, it was brilliant in the ring. It was corked up to the eyeballs in promos. Uh, yeah, and then he he fucked over Hogan for the for the the towel loss. So yeah, win win win. Awesome, and and we're actually spoilt for choice for this one. It's our favourite award, the mother of the night. So we'll start off with Mister Paul Tolly. Who's your mother of the night? Texas tornado. I thought he was looking yeah. spaniel esque. <laughs> and you, Rob. Oh, I'd have to go with um, Tugboat. I, I was really gutted to say he didn't make this show because of that beautiful mullet here, a voluptuous mullet, but uh, just slightly down in volume was Tugboat. Oh, so uh, a former WWF champion gets, uh, gets mullet of the night. And you, Max? For me, I'm going to go with Sean Michaels. Not because it was a particularly outstanding mullet, but because he had the the bollocks to shave his sideburns off as well to like really level it out. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Shawn Michaels. Does Shawn Michaels get a bonus point for how little hair he has now? <laughs> <laughs> he made the most of it while he had it. <laughs> and, yeah. you, and you done. Uh, mine goes to Jake Roberts because he just because he's Jake Roberts. <laughs> cool. Uh, I'll probably go for something a little bit different. They made their de- debut tonight, and similar with the Nasty Boys, there was two of them. Got to go with the Beverly Brothers. 
yeah, pretty nice shout. new, like, you know, kind of in between that Hulkamania, new generation era mullet. So uh, looking pretty snazzy. So, lads, that's the end of the show. Um, so before we sign off, do you want to tell everyone where they can uh, find your social media and your podcasts? Uh, start with you, Rob. Uh, well, um, I'll be appearing at this Tuesday in Texas. So if you want to uh, contact your local cable provider, um, that'd be superb. Uh, it's twelve ninety-five this Tuesday in Texas, and everything that we promised you um, this week will be there next week. <laughs> awesome! And you, and you, Dan. This could well be my uh, my last appearance on the podcast if I do follow through with cancelling my network subscription. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm uh, at DanGriffin21, and I've got nothing else to plug. Cool. And uh, Paul and Mags from the Badlands, tell everyone about your show. You go, go, first, go Mags. You, you go first. <laughs> I'll go Come first. on, Paul, you always nail these outros. Okay, you, can, you can find me on Twitter at, at RainCounter. Um, I'm also record podcasts with um, Five Nerds Go. They're, they're at Five Nerds Go. And, of course, with my good friend Magsy here. Uh, we do the we do the Badlands podcast, looking at a looking at a new Mount Rushmore of rest of a particular wrestling category every every week, and that's at Badlands Pod and on Cheershot Radio. Cool. And you, Mags? I don't have social media. I don't know what you're all talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me at DAJ Kirkben, usually in some sort of argument with someone or just generally chatting shit about wrestling. I have more podcasts than any human should ever have, uh, so I'm not going to take up all the time rattling through them, but yeah, just uh, come and follow me on Twitter. I'll have links to all, all the content I'm involved in there. Uh, and if you ever want me to... Uh, kind of pimp stuff I'll always miss out somebody who I'm involved with so uh, apologies for that guys awesome uh, for everyone who wants to follow me uh, I'm on the Twitter at 90s wrestling pod and you can also find me on Instagram that 90s wrestling podcast and yeah if I, hopefully you've uh, enjoyed the show uh, if you're watching on YouTube please give us a like and a subscribe and please share I don't know why you'd want to share this episode but please do so <laughs> <laughs> so people don't have to. If you did enjoy this Survivor Series, there's something wrong with you. You need to go and like, have a hard look at your laugh. <laughs> if they watch this, it saves them an hour at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're listening on the uh, podcast form, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, please give us a like and a subscribe. And being a little bit braggy, lads, but I looked last night and we're the 26th most popular uh, podcast in the UK, six months in. So I'm above yeah. Corey Graves. So fucking yay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a flex. What an absolute flex. I am above Corey Graves. Oh, and I'm oh, above. Uh, oh, and I'm above. Uh, <laughs> I'm above uh, eight, 83 weeks, Eric Bischoff as well. Well, you, you're absolutely killing it, sir. Well done. Hey, couldn't do it without you. So thanks to everyone who's watched it. And uh, I suppose next time you'll be seeing us when, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's Monday in Michigan. <laughs> you'll be joining us to watch this Tuesday in Texas. And the irony, I'll probably be releasing the episode on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Release it on, in Texas on a Tuesday, though. <laughs> Everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look.
thanks again everyone for watching and we'll catch you in the next one